Listening Dog Media. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes! The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tires. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Offside Rule. We get it with Continental Tyres getting you to the game safely. Myself, Kate Borsay and Lindsay Hooper straight after the England-Switzerland game for the Euro 2016 qualifiers. England winning that game 2-0. There's only one news line, isn't there, Lindsay? That has to be Rooney's goal. Well, yes, although I think we're doing Harry Kane a disservice there because he did score a very good goal. Um, but yes, Wayne Rooney, he's surpassed uh, Bobby Charlton's record. And I think that's brilliant that he's managed to do that. A lot has been made in the build-up to this game as to whether the quality of his goals compare. But you know what, for tonight, let's just forget about that and say he's reached that landmark, 50 goals. And the pressure he was under to score that penalty, he'd got everyone in the lead-up to him taking it, chanting his name, knowing what was at stake. And yet he still buried it so I think um, applaud it to Wayne Rooney and hopefully more goals to come but actually at the Euros would be great if we could get some in the the major tournament from him Uh, it could be key to us getting on in that competition now that we're qualified more on the game to come in the podcast if you can hear by the way the chatter I'm sure you can and uh, a man on a PA system and a band it's all going on around us as we stand in the upper echelons of Wembley Stadium recording this podcast for you Coming up on today's show, let's tell you what else. A few little topical bits to throw around, Lindsay. There's life in the old drug yet. Uh, I know this is a tried and tested headline, but uh, former Chelsea striker Didier Drogba scored a hat-trick on his first MLS start for Montreal Impact. And what an impact he made. 37 years old, Drogba, and as determined as ever to get on the score sheet. I like that about him. So I want to know about maybe another couple of players or a manager who's uh, gone on to do great things in their later years before picking up the pension. 
I found so many of these. What I'm going to say is, maybe let's not go for goalkeepers because they do tend to flourish <laughs> late on. The likes of Brad Friedel, Mark Schwartz, so they all did very well in their later years. So goalkeepers, we could give you so many. So if we keep it to outfield players, um, there are... Now you change the rules. Well, it was your rules. I'm just <laughs> adapting them slightly so that it's not as uh, predictable. Sue Smith is going to be coming up with a WSL update as well as things really, really hot up in WSL 1. It's a straight race, isn't it, Lindsay Hooper, between Chelsea ladies and Manchester City ladies. At the moment, Chelsea ladies are in front. Oh, Arsenal, not out of it either. Okay. Um, not mathematically. I, I think really with that game in hand, if Manchester City don't win that later on this week, then Chelsea are in the driving seat. And I can't see them making the mistake of letting it go for a second year running. Also coming up on today's show, we'll be speaking to England goal goalkeeper coach Dave Watson with his thoughts on the game. Just a reminder that you can catch us on Audio Boom. You can listen to us via iTunes too, on YouTube, the Offside Rule TV. Check out our Twitter feed, always worth a look, at Offside Rule Pod, and our excellent website too, updated daily, twice, thrice, four times daily with lots of new content, OffsideRulePodcast.com. Hi, I'm Phil Thompson and you're listening to the Offside Rule. Let's tuck into our first topic now, Lindsay, which I've, I've very handily called a blancmange for the orange. You uh, are very proud of this title. <laughs> so proud. Uh, the recent Euro qualifiers, of course, have been taking place over the weekend and early this week. Netherlands, they've had an absolute stinker, haven't they? Gore blimey. Uh, lost to Turkey. Uh, they've got to wait until the 10th of October, until the next two European qualifiers, when they play Czech Republic, to try and resolve their woes. And by the way, it's out of their hands, OK? They're going to rely on other results from the other teams in their group if they are to try and get through to Euro 2016. Isn't it strange how every single qualifying round, whether it be for a World Cup or for Euros, there is always one shock. There's always one yeah. team that exit early. Could that be the Netherlands this time? It's looking like it's going to be because how do they claw themselves back from this one? They're going to have to go through the playoffs, aren't they, to try and get through. Big ask, big, big ask. They might not even make the playoffs either. So, yeah, nothing is for certain when it comes to the Netherlands. So I'd like to have a look at some other teams and players which are perhaps not having the best time in qualifying. Uh, and also players who've perhaps overperformed. Perhaps they're not performing for their league side, but they are doing so on the international stage. But to start things off, Lindsay, I think it's only fitting that we talk a little bit more about this game for England. 100% qualifying record. Harry Kane to two goals and two substitute appearances. So I've asked you, Lindsay, before the game, and I'm sure you've got lots to talk about now, two things. We have been here before, OK? 100% qualifying record. We've done that before when we've got on the major stage it's all gone terribly wrong so give me two positives please from the England setup as they are now what's changed what's different two things that I really like about England at the moment number one is to do with Roy Hodgson as manager his selection technique I actually believe now he's not scared to go with form players which is what I think national coaches should always do when you're assembling that national side you should be going for players that are in form in the league he's not scared to do that now and um, he's not reluctant to drop the names if they're not performing, so your, your stalwarts of the England side that some former managers have just gone with out of habit half of the time. So a great example of that, and he played the first half here at Wembley tonight, is John Joe Shelby, a player in form for Swansea. I've seen him up close on a couple of occasions so far this season. He is 
really, really good at the moment. He has to be someone that was on Roy Hodgson's mind, but not only that was he in the squad, he's got game time. That's encouraging. So I'm taking that as an encouraging step forward. Also, a lot of the players um, that were selected maybe last year that are starting to show real grit in an England shirt, your likes of Luke Shaws, Chris Smalling, who was actually man of the match here tonight. They're really encouraging me that they're starting to really own that shirt and make a difference in it. It's all very well selecting the likes of John Joe Shelby for these European Championship qualifiers, but is he going to stick with that when he gets to the competition itself in France next year? Does he have the bottle to put John Joe Shelby in that team for a major tournament? Well, a form player that got selected was Harry Kane, and he's not been in as much form for Spurs recently. So. I think he's shown tonight by playing him that he will go with the, with the players that he selected due to form and, and give them a shot. If they do dip out of form, uh, as I expect, if, if Harry Kane doesn't get any goals for Spurs this, this season, for instance, I imagine he won't be at the forefront of his mind. But uh, it was great to see him scoring an England shirt tonight. Um, my, second, my second reason would be Wayne Rooney, actually. I know that he's stolen all the headlines tonight for that 50th goal, but and being England's all-time um, top goal scorer. But I think he seems to flourish in an England shirt. And the one thing that I've been really impressed by him is his captaincy role. I think he's matured in it. He's, he's actually really surprised me in being much better at it than I thought he would be. Um, it's one of those situations, and, and I liken it to when Ronaldo left Manchester United and the season afterwards, Rooney was left behind with responsibility. And he liked having that responsibility. I think he likes that for England. He likes having that armband on and knowing that he's one of the senior players and knowing that he's England's all-time greatest goal scorer. It's going to help. So I'm, I'm impressed by Wayne Rooney. I think that encourages me going forwards too. The female take on football. Thank you, Lindsay. Things quietening down here at Wembley Stadium. I wanted to have a look at teams um, that have overperformed. Only one team that comes to mind for this. It's got to be Iceland. What else do you say about a country that only has 21,500 registered players? A terrific feat then in qualifying automatically for Euro 2016. And I love the quote from their coach as well, Lars Lagerback, who insisted that he wasn't Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela is a hero, he said. I am not but look he's got to be enjoying hero status in Iceland right now a country that has a couple of key sports one of which is football and one of which is handball got lots of variety uh, over there in Iceland and I'm sure the country will be celebrating that what a great feat 329,000 people in that country and they've done it Follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in the Offside Rule We Get It. There's only one of us. We grabbed England goalkeeper coach Dave Watson straight after the game. You're washed and showered, Dave. The team are out. We can see a few of the players milling around. Talking point of the game, undeniably going to be that Rooney goal. 50 goals for Wayne Rooney. Great moment for the team. Have the lads got anything lined up for him? I think uh, after the game he came in, Wayne. Um, the manager gave him a little presentation of a shirt. Um, he felt a little bit uncomfortable doing a speech in front of the lads, but I think he was just really emotional. Um, a fantastic night for him and his family. Um, and really, the, the positive thing for him is that I think there's a lot more to come. And it gave him an opportunity to challenge the young lads and see if they can uh, ever surpass him. 
I like the fact that he kept searching for that goal as well. He wasn't shy in going for it, was he? What's he like as a captain? We don't um, hear much about Wayne Rooney, the man and the captain. Does he lead by example or does he have a lot of time for the younger players, especially in qualifiers like this where Roy brings new talent into the squad? I think actually it's been the making of him. He, he's really embraced being captain. I think he's taken it on board. I think the younger players in the squad really obviously look up to him and his goal-scoring record and his feats, having already achieved 100 caps. But he's really brought them into the fold um, and he remembers what it's like to be a young player himself and they've responded well to it. And he's a, he's a real good leader and made a big difference to our team now. First team to qualify for Euro 2016 England. Pretty good achievement from that front. 100% qualifying record. Of course, tonight uh, you top that off with another win. But we've been here before, and I think what a lot of England fans want to know is what's different this time? You've been in the England setup since 2012. What's different this time going into the tournament in France next year? Well, I think from a, a real disappointing World Cup, we, we, we set challenges to the team and the players, and we've tried to involve the players more in taking responsibility and ownership and I think through that becomes you know becomes a relationship between the players and the staff and there's a lot of trust in there and I think we're starting to see that developing performances um, it will be great if we can get through 10 games unbeaten and 10 games winning that's the first challenge but then the challenge comes in November and March when we've got real tough tough friendlies and we'll try and look to win them and, and push forward to be ready for the tournament. Let's look at your goalkeepers. Joe Hart still very much looks like England's number one. Still incredibly reliable for you too. Jack Butland and Tom Heaton in the squad for this game. Talk to us a bit about Tom Heaton, a name that perhaps won't be um, at the forefront of people's minds when they think about the England goalkeeper setup. Is he a big name for the future? Well, I, th I think the big thing for Tom is he came in in the summer. Obviously, it's been, it's been difficult losing a couple of goalkeepers last year through bad injuries. But Tom came in in the summer and to be fair, he's merited his place in the team because he's just enthusiastic, a devotee to his trade and every day he gives what you want out on the training pitch, that's 100%, there's a smile on his face and he likes to go about his business properly and I think in terms of the group he's, he's, he's brought a freshness to it because you know that's what we want, we want hungry players who want to be there. I think Joe's performance tonight was exceptional, I mean uh, real aggressive start positions, read the game well and when the moment came he needed to make a save in the second half at nil nil he made it and that's what being a top top goalkeeper is. Jack Butland's in the squad for tonight as well, he's very much been in and around the England setup for a little while now, great to see him get that starting berth at Stoke as well so he's seeing regular top level football, is that important for you as a coach to make sure that your goalkeepers are seeing quality play week in week out? It's made a massive difference to me uh, in terms of now being able to select goalkeepers who are playing week in and week out in the Premier League. Jack's obviously had a great schooling. He, he, he's come through our youth systems. He's played all, all youth levels for us now. Obviously, England under-21 captain in the summer. He's now established himself at number one at Stoke and, and it gives him now a chance and a platform to put some pressure on um, a, to get in the squad and then B, to put some pressure on Joe to uh, fight for that number one spot. Thanks very much to Dave Watson for talking to us. Let's talk home nations now, Lindsay. Important uh, to look at what else is going on. No one else is automatically qualified, but a couple of teams are close. What's been going on? Well, let's talk about all three.
in terms of Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Uh, Scotland first, because it was all looking so good for them up until this final round of matches. As Stephen Fletcher had become the first Scotland player since 1969 to score a hat-trick against Gibraltar in that 6-1 win. Um, then in June, they managed to draw one all with the Republic of Ireland, a good result. But then you've gone into these last couple of matches and really it's the Georgia game that's really sunk things for them. Um, it wasn't what anyone was expecting. I think everybody thought they might get the three points against Georgia, give Germany a good fight. But I don't think anyone expected them to beat Germany, but maybe just to have it, some confidence going into that game. Mm. Well, they, they ended up losing that 3-2. I thought their performance against Germany wasn't bad. If only they'd perform like that against Georgia, but that was quite <laughs> a shock defeat. So what's for them now? Well, those results mean that in order to qualify for the third place playoff, Scotland now need four points from their remaining two games. Those are against Poland, which will be tough, and Gibraltar again, which you can see them getting the points they need from that match, but it's the Poland game it's all going to come down to. And they've also got to hope that Republic of Ireland lose their last two matches. Um, moving on to Wales, who've been the overperformers, haven't they, under Chris Coleman? I think um, their form, taking them up to ninth in the FIFA World Rankings as well, has been really impressive. Um, nothing's going to beat the 1 0 win against Belgium. No one expected that. Uh, we go on to the latest round, and well, what's happened? They've they beat Cyprus. 1-0. That took them a step closer to qualification. They just needed a win against Israel, but that didn't come. They agonisingly missed out on that. Um, that would have confirmed their place, but they've got to wait a bit longer. They now, to guarantee qualification, they need two points from their last two games, although I think the opposition is very beatable for Wales. Uh, Bosnia and lowly Andorra, um, who I expect them to get some points and some goals there. Um, as well as Gareth Bale, must mention Ashley Williams has been brilliant for them. Aaron Ramsey, very good player to have. I, I think Wales have got some quality through that spine of the squad and should see them move on and, and it will be great to see how they get on out, out, actually out at the Euros. I'm pleased for Gareth Bale as well. It would be so easy for him to stutter on the international stage being that a whole nation's expectation rests on his shoulders. But he scored the bulk of the goals for Wales, all bar two or three, I think. So he's done incredibly well. And he's sporting a man. Now, a man is the key to his success, Lindsay Hooper, on the international stage, as far as I'm concerned. This is the word that Lindsay taught me. Out in My Canada. friend Rachel has <laughs> taught me. It means male bun. There are no muns in the England setup at all, and I'm wondering if we will see a mun by the time the Euros come round. I reckon the only reason Gareth Bale's got one is because he's living in Spain, but there you go. Um, Northern Ireland, what an achievement for them, because with that, they didn't have a competitive win away from home since September 2010, but they've gone on um, to achieved some really brilliant results. They secured a 2-1 victory against Hungary in 2014 and that was a springboard for the rest of their games. Um, they faced the Faroe Islands and Greece. Um, they had a victory over Finland back in March. That kept them in touch with the group leaders, Romania. So now um, they've never qualified for any finals of any European competition and the last time they qualified for a major tournament was 1986, Mexico mm. World Cup. Um, so now Michael O'Neill's side, uh, they beat the Faroe Islands, so they're one win away from automatic qualification. Well, who is all this down to? Kyle Lafferty. I'm going to mention him because he's been sensational for them. He's scored in as many games they've played. I think it's five goals from as many games. Um, he also scored that last-minute equaliser. They're trailing, weren't they? 1-0 to Hungary. Things not going as they wanted, and he popped up in, I think it's something like the 94th minute, got that equaliser. So what's next? They have difficult games to come against Greece and Finland, and a 
win in either of those matches will book their place in the finals. Could be close for Northern Ireland, couldn't it? And I had Carl Lafferty as one of the players I wanted to pick out that's been overperforming or performing well on the international stage, but not so much on the domestic one. Carl Lafferty, uh, one game ban he picked up, so that's a bit of a shame after that Hungary match. He can't get a game for Norwich. It's astounding. Well, I hope yeah. this improves his club form or certainly gives him a chance in that Norwich side. Got to mention Harry Kane. We've, of course, talked about him already. Um, bit of a stuttering start, really, to his Spurs season. He's just not been as amazing as he was last season. He needed these two international games, two goals and two sub-appearances, um, to help his game along. And I think that will do him a lot of good. Let's take a look at players who've underperformed. And I'm going to jump on the back of Mark Wilmots, the Belgian manager here, who's had a complete go at Eden Hazard and Christian Benteke from his squad, basically saying that they have to improve. Not great performances at all, he said. Uh, they got a 1-0 win against Cyprus, so they got the result that they wanted. But he has said that both of those players need to improve for Belgium. My theory on this with Belgium as well is that they suddenly have become a scalp that other teams want to get because much has been made about the quality in their squad, the Eden Hazards, the Bentekes, uh, the Vincent companies. Well they're, well, they're ranked second in the world. Yes, which is crazy. So now when a team approaches that game, they think, actually, that's a scalp I want to get. That's how people are when they play England. And I think often that's the downfall with us. It's having that mentality to be able to overcome that. And the very big nations, your Argentinas, Brazils, your Italy's, your France's and Germany's usually do overcome that. They live up to the, the tag, if you like. Mm. But it's difficult for those nations just below them. Still early days for Belgium, I think. I'm going to caveat this quickly with England women who are here and made an appearance at half-time. They came out onto the pitch to show off their bronze medals. Great moment for them and they got a really good reception as well. I did feel bad. Before they went out, I actually um, set Ellen White up for a table football competition. <laughs> I say it was me. I actually went to Carly's help and asked her and then she said, oh, Ellen White will do it. She'll be better. <laughs> so um, she won, though. She beat Mark Bright on the big screens inside yeah. the FA lounge. So I'm, I'm not as regretful as if she'd have been thumped or something. Mm. It would have been awful. Mark Bright, a very gracious loser. So it's been great catching up with our Canada buddies here at Wembley this evening. And on women's football, I wanted to mention Gemma Davison. Lindsay, I know you're a big fan of the player. Great domestically, not had the chance really uh, on the international stage. And she's just been selected in uh, Mark Sampson's squad for their next Euro qualifier. Well, I did know from speaking to Mark a couple of years ago that he was an admirer of hers. I know that he very much rated her as a player. In fact, I was talking to one of his members of staff he used to work with at Bristol Academy um, here tonight, and she said he always used to send out a warning when Gemma Davison was on the team that was coming to, as opponents. So I'm um, really pleased for her, but maybe now part of her game, she's going to have to fulfil other duties that maybe she's not used to. Maybe she gets the freedom at, at Chelsea to do a lot more, but she might not always have that freedom as part of an England setup because occasionally it's about the tracking back, it's about zonal defending at times um, and, and it's her creativity and her flair and her skill is something that I don't question um, but it, it's making sure that you've got to fulfil that role as well um, so it'll be interesting to see how she fares but I, I've got really, really high hopes for her. I think um, it will be great to see her running at other defences if they weren't scared before the bronze medal at the World Cup, they will be now <laughs> Well, that leads us on to the perfect segue to take us to Sue Smith, who joins us again on the Offside Rule. We get it to update us on all things WSL. It's getting hot at the top of WSL 1. Chelsea are up there being chased by Manchester City. Here's Sue. Sue Smith's WSL Roundup. Brought to you by Continental Tyres. Hi, everyone. I'm back with my weekly roundup of women's football. 
I'm going to start with a bottom of the league clash, Birmingham facing Bristol. This was a massive game for both teams and whoever won this for me stayed in the league. Simple as that. Birmingham come out in the end 3-0 winners, despite Bristol giving everything. It was that little bit of quality from Kirsty Lynette, first of all, with the first goal, and then two really cool, calm penalties from Karen Carney. For me, it's a long way back now for Bristol. Another game that was played on Saturday was Arsenal against Liverpool. Both teams, for me, have, have struggled with injuries to key experienced players, but Arsenal seem to be getting some of those players back just in time. The likes of Jordan Nobbs returning to full fitness will give them a timely boost. In the game, firstly, Natalia missed a penalty in the first half and, and Arsenal were probably thinking, this isn't going to be our day again. But then Dominique Janssen killed in a superb free kick in the second half before who else? Jordan Nobbs scored the second goal. Arsenal are still pushing all the way and they're waiting for any slip-ups in the league for them to take that initiative. Two other teams that are still in with a chance of winning the league are Man City and Sunderland, and they faced each other on Sunday evening. Sunderland have been, for me, the surprise team of the league, and they've showed other WSL2 teams that just by training full-time and adding a, a couple of players to the team, you can compete in WSL1 and, and actually be challenging for the title. But Man City had other ideas in this game, and after a really close encounter with, with not many chances... City actually won the game 1-0. Izzy Christensen with a timely header. So this keeps City's hopes alive. The last game in WSL 1 that I'm going to talk about is Chelsea against Notts County. I actually went to this game. So I've got to say for me it was a, a really professional performance by Chelsea. They won the game 2-1 in the end. Notts did battle until the very last minute. And I'm sure they'll be disappointed not to get anything out of the game. But I think on the whole, Chelsea were deserved winners. And two unlikely scorers as well, Claire Rafferty and, and Jilly Flaherty. Great finishes and, and they're showing the forwards just exactly how it's done. For me, the league's still open. Some surprises, some twists and turns, I'm sure. But that's all for my little piece. So bye for now. Thanks very much to Sue. You saw Sue actually a couple of days ago, Lindsay. Yes, she was the guest on the WSL review show for BT Sport that I do. And um, she was in great form. Um, made me chuckle on a few occasions. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to shame her. Oh, come on. Oh, no. Um, our sound man went to go and take a microphone off and she hugged him because she... <laughs> She thought he was going in for a hug. Oh, no, orcs. <laughs> Very know. orcs. Less, but I've been there, Sue, so I, you have my sympathy. I, that's the sort of thing I do, isn't it? <laughs> well, one person who didn't have an awkward moment, Didier Drogba, scored a hat-trick on his first start for MLS team Montreal Impact, the ultimate impact he's made there. Uh, look, he's doing it all the way up to picking up his pension, isn't he, Didier Drogba, um, amongst quite a few other players that we can mention. So I want to um, have a look at players and coaches as well, Lindsay, who've been uh, doing the do all the way up until their advanced years well you know there's a whole country that produces these i don't know what they have for breakfast over there um olive oil <laughs> if you're having a guess you're probably right italy they are just famous for producing players that go on and and get better with age it can't be shredded wheat can it it must be something like the pasta that they've got out there um i'm not going to go for the predictable because of course perlo is still playing and still doing brilliantly um i'm sure if we had mina rizuki on this podcast she'd wax lyrical about everything he's achieved your Zolas of the world there's so many examples but I'm going to go for Paolo Maldini um, his career seemed to improve the older that he got at AC Milan um, 
the trophies just kept on coming. They just wouldn't go away. He won a couple of Serie A titles. He was named in the team of the tournament as Italy reached the Euro 2000 final, part of the team that reached the Champions League final on three occasions, not once. I'm talking three occasions, a final, 2003, 2005, 2007. He was also named man of the match when Milan beat Juventus. That was in Manchester in 2003. He gave his side a first-minute lead before a dramatic turnaround against Liverpool in Istanbul two years later. Loads and loads lifted more trophies as captain as Milan beat the same opponents. That was in Athens a couple of years later. But let's just talk about this defender because how many European Cups? Fifth. A fifth European Cup. What age? Oh, goodness me. Uh, 39? Yeah. Bang on. 39 years old. So not just like Liverpool who've won five European Cups. This is a player who has five European Cups. Yes. Whoa. Your turn. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm not going to go your glamour player. I'm going to go for the unglamorous option of someone who's coached over 9,000 people in their 70 years in the game. Dear old Ivor Powell. He hung up his boots recently at the tender age of 93. And uh, what an incredible career he's had. I have to mention him because my hat goes off to this guy. (laughs) He has become a legend in my world in the last couple of days since I learnt about him. Um, He was a player, by the way, um, back in the day. um, uh, Played before turning to coaching in the 50s. And when he was a player, he set a record transfer fee of £17,500 in 1946. That's a pretty hefty sum of of money capped 14 times by Wales best buddies was Stanley Matthews as well at Blackpool when he played there he was awarded an MBE for his services to sport he's even been introduced to Mahatma Gandhi during World War II he had to take a break in his career for the war by the way <laughs> how many people can say that um, but since retiring as a player he went on to have a really successful coaching career um, he coached alongside Don Revy at Leeds when all that great stuff was going on there so um, a complete legend for that as well his first team by the way the first proper team that he played for QPR they spotted him whilst he was playing in South Wales his full-time job at the time a minor what a good find um, bravo for Ivor I'm going to come back in with a striker <laughs> we're just going to lower the tone again a little bit but actually I was thinking about goal tallies and how often we see um, strikers getting 30-plus goals nowadays in a season. Not very often, really, is it? I mean, we've seen Agueros do it um, in, in the last few seasons, but there's not many, are there? No. So let's pick a player who just after the age of 30, hit 30, started firing in even more goals. He was already a prolific striker, but I'm talking Henrik Larsson, because when he joined Celtic, 30 years old in this season, he scored 35 goals in 47 games, but it didn't end there. So anyone who's thinking, oh, you know what, that's probably a flash in the pan, it wasn't, because for the next two seasons, he took that goal tally 44 the next season, 40 the season after that. We're talking huge numbers. He was included off the back of that form in the Euro 2004 team of the tournament. He got a move to Barcelona. I think as well, helping them win two La Liga titles and having a Champions League in your locker in 2006, pretty impressive, especially post-30. Gives us hope.
<laughs> that certainly does. Quick one from me. When you think about famous Scottish managers managing well into their advanced years, you think Sir Alex Ferguson, don't you? And who'd blame you? He went on to manage until he was 71, 72 maybe even. But here's a Scottish manager that can beat that. Craig Brown, quick mention for him, at 73, who retired from football management at the end of the 2012-2013 uh, season. He was working at Motherwell and approached by Aberdeen, but he rebuffed them. I think he probably thought, well, I've probably had a day, actually, with this football managing laugh, lark. But indeed, he decided not to give it up and to spend some time at Aberdeen, appointed manager there. And he actually saved them, enjoyed this late bit of success, saved them from relegation. Um, after he announced he retired, he was quickly replaced by Derek McInnes. But uh, well done, Craig Brown, most famously known, of course, as the Scotland manager. But yeah, managing well into his 70s. I'm going to have to wind you up now because we're being wound up. I'm getting all sorts of different signals like, go, go, Wembley's closing. (laughs) We just want to hang on a little. No, we don't. We are done, folks. Thanks very much for tuning in. A reminder, you can check us out on Twitter at OffsideRulePod and over on the website to OffsideRulePodcast.com. Hayley McQueen is back next week, as are we. We'll see you then. The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tyres. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.